Hey, it's Miles here. And before the show starts, uh, many of you have been curious about the work that I get to be a part of at, at Onsite. And so I just wanted to give you a glimpse into who we are. Onsite is, is known as a worldwide leader in the personal growth and therapeutic workshop space. We're just fortunate to work with an incredible team that creates life-changing experiences that assist individuals and families and couples into becoming more self-aware, empathetic, compassionate, and, and resilient, and just overall raising our emotional intelligence so that we can become better versions of ourselves and enhance our relationships. So whether you're feeling burnout or life just seems a little out of balance, or whether you're trying to overcome some adverse circumstances that you experienced along the way, we've got some really cool workshops uh, that we offer year round that we'd love for you to learn more about. And we also help stay plugged in and get you resourced for counseling and other great resources in your area as well. If you want to know more about us, check out onsiteworkshops.com, or you can find us on our socials at at onsiteworkshops. For the first time, I really felt free to just write and create without the fear that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't intellectual enough, that I wasn't all of these not enoughs that I had. And I really truly believe it was because that was the first time where I stopped looking at everything all together and I just started looking at people one by one and started making a connection one by one. And it was a lot less overwhelming. Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do. Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world. But sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it. So we would love for you to join us and listen along. And we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken. Make up fake love, make them all laugh Come on, someone, take off your mask It's nice to me Morgan Harper Nichols is a writer, artist, and musician who creates her work around people and their stories. She spent the first few years of her adult life as a college admissions counselor and then as a full-time touring singer, songwriter, and musician. It was on the road that she cultivated her curiosity and passion for the written word and art and slowly began to share her art with others online. Nearly everything Morgan creates and shares today is from this project, and she always keeps the names and stories anonymous. The fruit of this project is shared daily around social media and has exploded online. As an artist, Morgan has been commissioned by and collaborated with publications in several national brands. As a writer, her debut book, Storyteller, is a number one Amazon bestseller in inspirational poetry. Morgan is now a full-time writer, artist, and musician, and travels to speak, teach, and perform. She is also on the board of directors at To Write Love on Her Arms. We are so excited to share Morgan with you today. This conversation stuck with me for days after. She is just such a special soul, and I'm so excited for y'all to just get a peek into the artist behind this incredible work she's doing in the world. Morgan, 
Thank you so much for being here. This is such a gift to get to sit across from you today. I'm so excited. We've been internet friends for a long time, but now we finally get to meet. (laughs) Yes, in person, in real life. It's wonderful. It's a huge honor. So I've I've really been looking forward to this. Thank you. Yeah, the honor's ours. We've heard just so many wonderful things about you. So to get to get some of your time. I know you're super busy right now, so thank you. It means a lot. We're excited. Well, thank you. And you drove an hour and 45 minutes this morning in LA traffic, you queen, to be <laughs> here. So you I win. did. Well, thankfully, I had the Unspoken Podcast <laughs> to listen to on my commute. So <laughs> everything was fine. Uh, so you've had to hear our voice all morning. <laughs> I have. I have. It's very soothing, though. I, oh, I enjoyed it. Good. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you so, so much. I was so thrilled when I reached out and you said, yes, we all did a little hoot and holler skip. (laughs) We were so thrilled. Just the stuff that you're doing, your voice, your words, it's the most hopeful, life-giving, truthful. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. And it just, it touches me so deeply. I am in awe of the work that you're doing in this world. So this is such a privilege. Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, the the feeling is mutual. I mean, especially you, Ruthie. I I can't even remember when I first discovered your Instagram page, but I I remember like back in the day, people were like, "Oh, don't write long captions." I'm like, "No, I love long captions." And I was like, "I love everything." She's this saying. girl writes a book. <laughs> I was like, "I love that." I was like, "I live oh. for this." I was like, "I don't even know who this person is, but I'm going to follow her oh. and read the book on Instagram." Thank you. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So. Thank you, sister. I'm what an honor. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that. The random world of the internet brought us together, and now here we are. It's just kismet. It's so beautiful. Yes. Amazing. Well, we're excited to jump in and learn. I mean, we try not to do a whole lot of backstory because we just kind of want it to feel supernatural and like we want to learn about you. And we're, you know, the world knows you for this beautiful work that you're doing in the world, and you are so insightful and you love people so well by learning their stories and writing truth. I mean, you literally, I feel like so often with the world, when we're coming on our journey to wholeness, it's like unraveling these old stories that we Mm. might've been telling ourselves and coming back to the truth that was there from the beginning, but stuff just gets piled on and pain and loss. And you are a light bearer that shines the truth and you help unwind those old stories that no longer serve us or fit us. And I think when I think of you, that's what I think of, of this just incredible light bearer shining the truth and just like shrouding people in light. And yeah, I feel kind of emotional thinking about it because it's Mm. just, you know, when you read something and everything in your spirit's like, yes. Like, I know this is true, and I've been Mm -hmm. believing something else, but I know that this is true. And that's what your words do. And Mm -hmm. it's so, so beautiful. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. I feel like just the way you articulated that, like, that's just so, I feel like what's in my soul right now Mm. and what I'm thinking about when I'm writing, um, I'm thinking about other people's stories. And it started in a place of, I would love to say it started just on a beautiful sunny morning. And I was like, I just want to write about other people's stories. And But it started when I was very young, just feeling like my story didn't matter mm-hmm. or it wasn't interesting enough. And so I just kind of 
just turn the lens on other people and other things like and just started observing and taking things in because I was like there's nothing really inside of me everything is everything that matters is out there Mm -hmm. and I just started kind of looking and observing and just writing what I saw and it took years and I think I'm still learning this even in adulthood to see that even in doing that I'm learning who I am and I'm seeing more of myself and I'm seeing that my story does matter and I, I know that that can sound cliche and you hear a lot about like, tell your story and, you know, be who you are and all of that. But that's, it's so true for me. And it's taken me a very long time to get to that place where I can accept and acknowledge that, no, there is something that is stirring inside of me mm. that, that makes this possible. Mm. I think there's so many artists and, and, and poets specifically that are just contemplative layered thinkers. And then they put their art into the world in a sense, translate parts of the world through the lens of their experience for the rest of us to figure out what our perception is about the person behind it. And I love hearing that yours started, like a lot of my friends who do great work like yours, from a place of asking, what matters? Do I matter? Mm-hmm. Say more about that. In the very beginning, you said I was asking the question, Do what I does what I have to say matter? Yes, yes. So I grew up in a really small family. My mom, my dad, and I have a sister who's two years younger than me. And I was a preacher's kid, um, small church just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And I was around from a very young age, I was just around a lot of big personalities and also very talented people. My dad is just brilliant. He is an amazing orator. Like he didn't go to college and people are always shocked just to know my dad and how knowledgeable he is. Mm. You would never know that he was a, during the day, he was an electrician by trade. Like you you wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. And my mom is just a powerhouse singer, artist, designer, entrepreneur, like two incredible people. And then my younger sister, we have very similar interests, but she is significantly more extroverted than I am. (laughs) And she also has like, she's a present. She has all this energy and personality. And I just, I would just look at them. I'm like, why, what am I doing here? I'm like, Mm. yeah, I can draw pictures and play a little piano, but (laughs) it doesn't seem like much. And um, I let that become my identity. Mm. And the only place where I felt like I could make sense of it was by making more art, by making music. And I think when I was eight years old, I started journaling every single day. I've been journaling almost every single day since I was eight years old. Wow. And I just turned 29. So just over 20 years, I've been writing every single day. Wow. So I would just write and write and write and just get it all out. And I would never share it, though. I just didn't feel like it it was worthy of being shared just because I saw what specifically my family was doing in their different ways. And I was like, this isn't on that level. It intensified in high school when my younger sister um, was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. Mm. And Tourette syndrome, if you're not familiar, it's a neurological disorder. And it's actually, there's starting to be a lot more knowledge and research around it now. But even like 15 years ago, there just wasn't a lot of information about it. So my sister was pretty severely bullied by other kids. Mm. And as her older sister, I just 
refused to tolerate that. Like yeah. I, I did not allow that. <laughs> I was like, you don't talk about my sister. And I just kind of became like her protector. And I just kind of took on that role. I was like, maybe this is what I'm meant to do. I'm, I'm meant to just see someone, my sister who's hurting and just make sure that they're not mistreated. And even though that came from a noble place, it still made me very okay with just kind of like hanging out in the background. I'm like, she's the one with a story. I'm like, Mm. just her story alone, just some of the things that she ended up going through because of that. I'm like, that's the story. That's what people want to hear. And that narrative just kept getting affirmed because from there, um, my sister started sharing her story on YouTube and she started making music and she got a record deal and like all these things started happening. And I was like, yep, that's it. I was like, she's the one in the family that people want to hear from. Yeah, so I just sort of took on this role of being this supportive sister. And then when my sister started to do these creative things professionally, I was like, well, I can, I guess I'll just kind of play the background to this. I didn't really mind it. I I enjoyed being a part, but I was like, I think this is just going to be it. I think it kind of stops here. And literally my first kind of like exposure to that world was singing background vocals and doing that. And and I was like, okay, this is just sort of how how I fit. You know, I'm I'm just gonna kind of hang in the back. And then, you know, as as I grew up and went to college and started meeting other people, that belief, which I know now is just a very limiting belief, yes. it just grew. Mm-hmm. Um, I started looking at other college students and I'm like, wow, they got those opportunities because they look like that mm-hmm. or they have that per- personality. I'm like, well, I've never seen a woman do that. So that's why I'll never have that opportunity. I've never seen a black person do that. That's why I'll never have that opportunity. And just all these little things of like, I'm, I'm not outgoing. Um, I have a speech impediment. It's It's definitely a lot more mild in my adulthood, but I'm like, People like me are not able to speak in that way. Mm. And I just started allowing all of these things to just define how I saw myself in the world. But the beautiful thing about it is because while I was going through that, my entire childhood and even up to now is that all along I was writing, all along I was creating, and I didn't realize I was documenting these experiences. Mm. And it wasn't until two years ago when I started sharing from these experiences that I realized that other people felt this way too. And of course we have different ways that it, it manifests in our lives and, you know, our our insecurities and doubts. But I was like, deep down inside, we're all wondering, do I belong here? Mm. Where's my place? (laughs) You know, is there a place for me? And just these really big questions and I don't have answers for them, but I, I've come to find that I'm like, wow, one thing that I did learn to do through all of that is to continue to write my questions and continue to, to essentially document Mm. this experience. And it's not linear. It doesn't end with like, and then I turned 29 and it all Mm. came together. Like it doesn't happen that way. I'm still Mm. figuring it out. Um, so a lot of a lot of what I my inspiration as a writer and artist it comes from just documenting those those feelings and those experiences in real time. So wow, Morgan, 
I want to um, just give you a little glimpse into the experience I had hearing you share all that. Like, I just kept thinking, wow, you see people so clearly and you've been able to share truth about all of them and be a mirror of the truth to them. And I, the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, I wish for just two seconds you could be inside of my mind and my brain and even feel what I felt the first second I saw you. It's like, and I want to be a mirror to what I've experienced in you and just reflect all of this back to you, what you give in abundance to every person that you write about, you listen to their stories and you hear them and you feel them and then you experience them so deeply and then you shine the truth back to them. And so I want to do that for you, you sister, <laughs> like you matter so much. You like even when I, I think about, sometimes I see people in color, um, your energy, it feels blue and it's the warmest, most inviting, engaging, like you actually see people and you love so deeply and all of that love and all of that scene, it's all for you. Like you matter so much and you are filled with all of that love that you give so deeply to everyone else. That is all for you and that it's all yours. And you, you're on that journey. Like you're starting to unwind these stories that you've felt and experienced that aren't true from the beginning. And it started going outward with doing that for everyone else. And I think as that turns inward and you see and you realize you're not alone and that you're, everyone has these false belief systems. And as those unwind for you, I'm just like, I can't wait for you to get just a little glimpse of just what I'm seeing in you. It is the most beautiful, like your soul feels so old and wise and blue is the, the color I keep thinking of, which is just the most enveloping, warmest, inviting presence. Like I could just sit and look in your eyes and just like, oh my gosh, it's just a sea of goodness. And your energy is so beautiful. And I just, I don't know. I just want to be a mirror back of what you give to everyone else. Cause I see it so it makes me want to cry. I see it so clearly in you. You are just the most special and you matter so, so much. And those old stories, like those don't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. Those don't fit anymore. Like your voice is such a gift in this world and it's a healing balm in this world. Wow. Thank you for that. I, I'm a little speechless. <laughs> And at the same time, I'm just like, I really want to take that in because I, I think I've spent so much of my life just like turning the camera away from myself, turning the lens away that it kind of feels terrifying mm -hmm. in a way to, to hear it come back to me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So just, just hearing that from you, like that just brings so much like peace and just affirmation of things that I know that yeah. I'm having to work on yeah. <laughs> and that I'm having to grow in and just be receptive to. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's just the truth. I just kept thinking, oh, she doesn't know yet. Mm. She doesn't know yet. But I know, I believe with every, you are on such a beautiful journey. 
it's such a beautiful journey. And I, my prayers and my meditation for you, it's just that, that knowing that you know so fully for others is reflected back to you and lets it, let yourself have that be a mirror back to yourself and everything that you're seeing, the way that you are this light bearer for others, like all of that, you are seeing reflections of yourself. You are those things. We can see others because it's inside of us. That goodness that you see and that truth that you expel on everyone around you, it's yours. It's for you. That's so true. <laughs> and just yesterday, I got an email. Um, I sent out like a like a daily email, just like a little encouraging email. And I sent out a poem that I wrote that was probably more personal than a lot of other things I've shared. It was one of those like, I'm sure you've had these moments where you're like about to share something. You're like, is this, is this like, you know, crossing that line? Maybe I shouldn't share it. You know, it was right at that line. I was like, maybe this is one I keep to myself. And even though I was writing this poem about someone else, that was one where I was, I was aware in that moment. I'm like, no, this is tapping into something that I've been through, a very specific event in my life. And I shared the poem and I was like, you know, I just feel like I should share it. I'm just going to share it. I got an email from a young woman and she said, thank you so much for this because I've been going through this. And she said what she'd been going through and it was exactly it was exactly what I had written it about. And the poem was metaphorical. I didn't say anything about that specific event in my life. But just to hear her say that, it was just like, yeah, all along, like, you have been writing your story. Like, you have been putting your healing journey on paper even when you're writing for other people. And that was something I was telling myself just yesterday. Wow. So <laughs> even, and those, those conversations just being totally transparent, that's new for me. That's new. I, I don't really like to look at myself that way. I don't like to, even in my journaling, I can be very like factual and like just documenting. I don't like to get to the, the heart of it a lot of times. It, it honestly terrifies me. Mm. So just to hear you say that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's the journey I'm on. That's yes. where I am. I'm learning to see that. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> what did uh, say back in a sentence what you heard Ruthie say? And in, mm. in not her words, but just in your perception. What I heard you say about me is. The word, there's one word that, that stands out to me that just hearing when you were talking just then, I just kept hearing it over and over, mirror mirror, mirror. And I was just thinking about a physical mirror. And it was, it was interesting. I, I almost saw like this visual of like, it's hard to explain because it's not possible, but it was like an actual mirror. And I was looking at you and that was a reflection. <laughs> and it was interesting for me because I hope this makes sense. <laughs> it's just, I'm trying to explain this like abstract thing that's going on in my head. But it was interesting for me because it was like, wow, I feel like it's kind of like the mirror is like really looking at me. Like, I don't know if anyone else has this experience as listening, but you know how there's, there's moments where you're looking in the mirror, but you're not really looking at yourself. Mm. Yes. It's like, you know yourself, but you're not really making eye contact. Like, it's kind of a lot. <laughs> you really stand there and make yes. eye contact with yourself for a significant amount of time. It can feel overbearing. Yeah. 
And I was just thinking, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm aware that there's some reflection happening here, but how much am I actually really making eye contact with that reflection? How much mm -hmm. am I actually really taking that in? Mm -hmm. And just hearing you speak, like that just, that just made me address that in mm -hmm. myself and say, wow, like you have to, you have to make eye contact. You have to make space for it. Take time, like just breathe deep and, and accept what's being reflected to you. Mm -hmm. So well I'm sorry, that was not one sentence. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. And if you would, uh, what would be one emotion? Like there was a, mm. one feeling that you could summarize what you felt when you were getting that back in it. Doesn't have to be like grateful. It could be if it was uncomfortable. It could be something like that. It's whatever it was for you. I think the word is. The word is terrifying, mm -hmm. and I actually am trying to remember like the classical definition of terrifying, because the way I use it <laughs> poetically might not actually be <laughs> correct. But I often use the word terrifying with like. Like I have this one thing that I've written as like as beautiful and terrifying as the world may be. And for me, terrifying is just like a strong, a strong feeling that I don't know what to do with it. Mm. Like I don't know what to do with it. Mm. So I think that was, that's the word. That Thank you for sharing that. I, <laughs> yes. I, there are so many, including me, that can relate to that. Some of the most mm. beautiful gifts I've been able to be given are the hardest to receive especially words of affirmation. And so I could sense a little bit of that, but it was just the, the fact that you leaned in anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, there was been a million ways you could have changed or taken a different direction. And you just said, hey, this is uncomfortable or maybe terrifying, and I'm going to sit with this and mm -hmm. receive it. So, and you said some things too, backing into your story a little bit that I appreciate. One, you didn't just acknowledge uh, the diagnosis of your sister, mm -hmm. but you talked about, you find what it was mm -hmm. so misunderstood so and as with most uh mental health conditions mm -hmm. or issues so misunderstood i think if people just knew more they would be different mm -hmm. and because they don't bullying and other things take mm -hmm. place and so um i just wanted to affirm that to say mm -hmm. thank you for explaining that yes and then journaling one of the most prescribed things i'd rather prescribe journaling than uh psychopharmaceutical approaches any day of the week. In mo a lot of artists get it naturally uh, and start early. Uh, but people come to us sometimes in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, sitting on stuck emotion because we all can relate to what you described, from the thoughts, the feelings, and not knowing where to go or what to do with them. And you found an expressive outlet that lived with you for how many years before you decided to share it? Oh, I mean, like 15, 16 years. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. And I've heard people say that journaling or writing saved my life and all mm -hmm. these things. But um, for you, when you finally did pivot to where now you've shared those and you've become quite well known for sharing them, you've got, gosh, I don't know, tons of people that follow your work and, and appreciate your work and are inspired by your work. Do you feel seen and understood by those people? Yes. That know you through your work? Yes, I do. And it surprised me in the best way. Mm. I think one of my one of my biggest fears when I started to share was that that I was going to be criticized or even ridiculed 
I just didn't feel safe. Like mm. I was like, I want to do this thing, but it doesn't feel very safe. Like I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of risking sanity here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm laying it all out there, not knowing what's on the other side of it. One thing in particular, just that's really surprised me is the diversity of people who respond to my work. Mm. There are people who don't look like me a lot of times, who don't live where I live. We don't have same life experiences. And that is surprising to me, um, but in the best way. Why? Why is it surprising? I think because I spent so much time in my life and I still have to catch myself now, like looking at others and noticing how I'm different mm. and just saying, oh, we're different. You know, we don't speak the same language or we don't look the same. Um, you're male, I'm female. You know, you're this age, I'm that age. You're different in this way, I'm different in this way. And just not even giving space to wonder, what if we're a lot more alike, mm. you know, than I, than I think? And, you know, I think a lot of that just comes from just feeling different as a kid and feeling like I fit in my family, but I was like the lame one in my family. And then um, when I got to college, like, like ethnicity speaking, I was a minority there. And even just some of the other things I've done professionally, I was often a minority and just feeling like I'm different, I'm different, I'm different. And just was that your first that, college? Was that your first experience being a minority? It was the first like experience where it was like every day of my life. Like mm. I had experiences prior to that, but it sure. was like moving on a college campus and like yeah. looking around and there's barely anyone that looks like you. There's barely anyone that connects with your life experience mm. that's where it really that's where it really hit pretty heavy yeah so um I'm still working through that that season yeah. of my life but I think one of the things that I walked away from it the most was that I'm really different than the people here um we don't have a lot of the same experiences and that just is what it is you know they don't really understand me maybe I don't really understand them and that just is what you know that is what it is but the wonderful of the many terrible things about the internet, the one of the, one of the wonderful things about the internet is that it can really break down some of those yes. barriers. Mm. Um, on a lighter note, one thing that's kind of funny about the the work that I share and my actual name, my, my first name is Morgan. My maiden name is Harper. My new last name is Nichols, Morgan Harper Nichols. I get at least one message a week from someone that says, I thought you were like an old dead white dude. Cause like my name is like so old and British. Like it's people are like, I thought you were like some dead guy. Stop. Like, no, oh. I'm like 29 year old black girl in California. <laughs> who grew up in the South. Yeah, who grew up in the South. Like it's just, and it's, it's funny because even like my name, like Morgan, like that was a family name, but it was so, <laughs> it's not a stage name. I didn't, I'm not trying to be somebody else. Like that's literally just my name. Yeah. So even that has just taught me, I'm like, wow, like the internet is kind of cool in that way. It's like, I'm, it allows me to connect with people who, Maybe they maybe they thought they could never connect with like a young mm. black poet, um, and they saw that name at first, and then they found my page. I'm like, oh, like because everyone's always like really happy and nice about it. They're like, oh, it's a pleasant surprise. I had no idea you were like alive and stuff. So <laughs> I guess I am. So <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah, I, the internet, as we know, can just 
be the darkest, yuckiest, mm. but you have found a way to use it to be for so much good and to expel again so much light and truth. And I'd love to hear the story of how you started this and what made you, what prompted you to say, share your story with me. And I am, I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna absorb it and I'm gonna reflect truth back to you. And it was just an act of service that you just I mean, I, I would love to hear the story of how you got there because it's so uh what you're doing is so precious. In 2016 I was coming toward an end of a season of my life where I had been a touring musician and um, full-time just traveling all the time. And I still do music, but back then it was like, you know, three, four days a week. And I was in a place where I was like, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. It's like, I hear, I hear stories. I'm meeting people on the road who seem like they're made for this, like, they just seem made for this setting. And I was like, it's wearing me down. But it was hard because that was my income. (laughs) And my husband at the time was a tour manager, so that was his income. And it was just like, well, what do I do? I've just spent like (laughs) five years working on something, and I'm like, I'm not sure how much I can go on doing it this way. And um, I took a little break, which meant a financial break as well. And things were a little hard and I was just feeling like a failure. I'm like, grownups don't do this. Grownups don't get to just tell, you know, we don't just get to say, I don't want to work here anymore and just stop. Why did I do this? This was so irresponsible. This was so like, this is going to mess us up forever. So I was home alone And I just, I I think just the weight of it all was just so heavy on me. I opened a journal that I had and I wrote a poem for the first time in years. Mm. And I just started writing. The first part of the poem is when you start to feel like things should have been better this year. Remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And I remember as I was writing it, I was like, I'm not even really sure if like, I feel like believing this right now. <laughs> like it's not even really reflecting of how I feel. I don't really feel like I've even seen any mountains this year. I feel like it's just been valleys. Mm. But I just need to remember them. And I just kept writing and I kept writing this piece. And I got down to the end of it and I was like maybe I should share this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to share this. This is so not like me to share poetry. At that point, I don't think I'd ever shared poetry like online before. Maybe when I was like a teenager on like, you know, like Zanga or something. But <laughs> like definitely like as an adult, I don't think I had shared anything like that. So I took a picture of it and I went to Instagram and I like went through the whole thing and I was about to press publish. And at the last second, I was like, no, no, this is not, no one's going to want to read this. This is weird. Let me not do that. So I closed out of it. And I was like, well, I was like, maybe I'll post it on Pinterest. I was like, nobody's really over there that I know. (laughs) It's like, I'll just get it out of my system. I'll just say, yeah, I'll post it on Pinterest and then just go on with my life. And I posted it there. Two months pass. And this is January of 2017. Um, I got a message from someone and they said, hey, 
your something that you wrote with your name on it? Um, cause like no one knew I was like writing poetry at that time. It was just like something that you wrote with your name, like a poem or a quote or something like this reality star posted it on her page. And I was like, what? Like, how did she find it? That's so random. And I just kind of like, I may have left like, thank you so much, but I just kind of left it alone. The next day someone said, Hey, this athlete posted your poem on their page. Like, do you know them? Like, and it started, I was like, this is really strange. I was like, I posted this thing in one place, one time, two months ago. Like, I don't even think I added tags or hashtags or anything to it. So I went back to Pinterest and that particular poem had been pinned over a hundred thousand times. And till this day, I have not been able to figure out where it took off, like, I have no idea. I have mm. no idea. I've sat there sometimes for, like, hours, like, going through, trying to figure out, like, who shared this first? Like, yeah. where did this happen? Haven't been able to figure it out. So from there, people started asking me, they were like, do you have more of this? And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, if only you knew how much it took just to write that. Mm. Like, I don't have any more. I don't have any more. But this piece, it kept getting shared and people kept asking me, do you have any more? Do you have more on this topic? And it kind of forced me to face this fear that I've always had of like, I just don't feel like I have more to give. I feel like if I, if I give you anything, that's, that's really all I have. So I was in this really strange place. I was like, I don't, I don't even know how to dig into my own story like that. I was like, that was such a, a low place where I was that night when I wrote that. I'm like, I don't, I don't sit there often. I'm scared of that place. <laughs> like Morgan doesn't like to go to that place. So I was just like, I don't know what to do. I'll try. I'll try to write something. So from January 2017 to October 2017, I just started trying to to dig deeper and write from my story and and other experiences that I had and other people that I knew, just trying to pull from everywhere. And I just felt like I was just like reaching for for crumbs in a way. I just felt like it was just not enough there to just create more work. Even though I felt like I was like, people seem to be responding to it. I I guess there's something here, but I just didn't feel like I was really doing anything, if that makes sense. So it was in October of 2017 where I was like, you know what? I don't have a lot of other skills outside of art, so I'm going to have to figure out something to make this work. (laughs) And I know that might sound, that's just kind of how I talk to myself sometimes. Like, Morgan, you write and you draw pictures, like make it work. You got to figure out something. You can't just spend the rest of your life just going back and forth, feeling like you don't have anything. Like Mm. this is just going too far. And that was just a conversation I had with myself. I was, I was actually at my parents' house. I don't remember what was going on that day. I was just standing there in the dining room, like talking to myself. I'm like, you've, you've got to get past this. I don't know how, but you can't spend the rest of your life doubting that you have something to give. Like this is just going on too long. This has gone on too long. So I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll just make it about one person at a time. I'll just, these people who are messaging me, um, I'll just write for them one at a time. 
as if I'm writing them a letter. So I posted on my Instagram. I said, hey, if you would like for me to write something with you in mind, I'm just going to scroll through and randomly pick people and just write something for you in that moment. And then I'll share it with everyone else, but I'm essentially just CCing them on what I'm writing for you. So at that time, I had started to get a few more followers, but I, I was kind of like, maybe a few people who follow me will respond. But one thing I didn't anticipate was people telling their friends about what I was doing. Yeah. And people who I didn't know, like from other circles, were finding out about this random person on the internet who's writing for people's stories. And I started getting messages and emails from like, hey, I don't know who you are. I don't really know much about this project, but someone told me that you're writing for other people. And for the first time, I really felt free to just write and create without the fear that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't intellectual enough, that I wasn't all of these not enoughs that I had. And I really truly believe it was because that was the first time where I stopped looking at everything all together and I just started looking at people one by one and started making a connection one by one. And it was a lot less overwhelming. Mm. Um, there's still self-doubt there. There's still fears that come up. But when I'm reading a message from someone who is 10 years younger than me, who lives somewhere in the world that is completely different from where I live, and yet she's sharing with me some of the same doubts and same fears, I'm reminded that, wow, like I do, there is something I can say to her, mm. even if it's just, it's going to be okay. You can still just take deep breaths here. And that matters because I know that would have mattered to me 10 years ago mm. to have someone say that to me. So that's been a huge turning point. And I started that project in October of 2017. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll do it for a month. I was like, oh, or maybe two months or three months. But here we are in 2019 and it's still going. Mm. And it has become a daily practice for me of just generosity, of just learning how to, whatever I do have to give, just giving from that and not feeling like I've got to have this whole well stored up for <laughs> for millions or billions of people just one person at a time yes. one person at a time we want to take a quick break to tell you about Nisolo. this is a brand that we love Nisolo is a sustainable brand committed to delivering handcrafted ethically made shoes and accessories designed with comfort and functionality at the core without the traditional retail markup Nasolo's vision is to push the fashion industry that values exceptional design, the planet, the producer, and the consumer. Nasolo operates their own sustainable factory in Peru. They also produce family-owned factories in Mexico, each of which has signed an ethical code of conduct. A beautiful part of their branding is that producers receive, at a minimum, beyond fair trade wages, health care, financial literacy trainings, and a safe working environment. 
Ugh, I love them so much. I've worn the solo for at least four, maybe five years. And it's just known anytime anyone comes to visit me, we're gonna take a trip to Nasolo because everyone falls in love with them. And I can't wait to share this brand with my friends. And I can back that story up because I was <laughs> one of those friends. Uh, one of the first times we hung out, you actually took me to Nasolo and introduced me to the brand. And I just, I love the story behind it, but I also love the shoes. And so mm-hmm. I now am a proud owner of Nasolo shoes and, and love them. And actually my dad just recently saw them and, and, he loved him and asked where I got him. And so uh, we got him a pair for Christmas. I love that and he didn't so even much. know the story behind the brand. He just loved the shoes. And so that's what I love about him is the design and, and uh, the way they make them are really well done. But also the story behind it is unbelievable. So Nasolo is partnering with us this season to offer unspoken listeners 25% off their first purchase. Go to nasolo.com and enter code unspoken at checkout to get 25% off your order of men's and women's ethically made shoes and accessories. That's N-I-S-O-L-O.com and use code unspoken for 25% off your first purchase. Seeing a person as the valued soul that they are and gifting that you being that mirror back to them like that that's why we're here because everyone matters everyone matters and for some reason these stories come in and we don't know we forget that we do and that's what everyone's longing to know and like my hope when people leave my presence I'm like I want them to leave my presence and know that they are loved and seen and they matter and they are here for a reason, and no one's a mistake. And that is the gift that you're giving, and that is why people are flocking to you like nobody's business, because that's the thing we're all longing for. And that love, like the reason we do this podcast, Unspoken, is like when you speak out loud those things, you feel your deepest fears, insecurities, loss, all those things. You realize you're not alone, and everyone else is like, oh, you feel that too? I'm not the only one. And when you're willing to share it, the power is taking away just a little bit because you realize you're not the only one and you realize that everyone has those fears. And if you're true and you dig down and you're honest enough, you realize like we're all the exact same with the same fears and that same shit that's been thrown on that we're believing. And so again, it's like unwinding those stories. And that is what Oh, that is what you're doing. And it's so beautiful. It's, I mean, the fact that this started October 2017 and we're 16 months out and it's blown up the level that it had. I mean, it's because people are longing to not feel alone. Yes. People are longing for that connection. And you're creating that in the most beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. I, I love that you said that because I, people want to know they're heard. Yes. And I think about the times in my life, I'm like, when did I feel the most heard? And it was oftentimes when someone had just listened to what I said yes. and they repeated back to me what I had said, mm. not when they gave me advice yes. or when they gave me a book to read. And I love books. I'm not, I have nothing against books, <laughs> but Oftentimes, it was just went like, yeah, you feel that way because you mm. went through this. I'm like, yes. It's like you literally just heard me. Yes. You heard me. Yes. And I try to bring that to my work. I feel like if I can just 
help someone else feel heard. Mm. Like that is, that can matter in their life. Like I can't, like, you know, one of the, the hard things about opening up your inbox indefinitely is that I get a lot of really tough messages, yes. just really difficult messages from people. And the ones that get me the most is when it's a child and mm. it's a teenager and they can't just, <laughs> can't just book a flight and go somewhere, yeah. you know, they're, they're stuck. Yeah. And those are the, the hardest messages mm. to receive. And um, in those moments, I just have to think, I'm like, how can I just help this 15-year-old feel heard enough that, mm. that they can just have strength to carry on one more day to find somebody who, who can listen, for, who's there in real life, they can actually touch them and help them and guide them. Because I can't fix this over Instagram. I can't fix this through my inbox, through my email list. I can't fix it. And that's very hard. That's very hard um, just because it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. And even just to think I'm like what they're going through is yeah. just so overwhelming. So that's something that I I try to to have present in my work a lot. It's like I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to fix you or I'm trying to solve your problems. Like, and there are some times where I have to tell people, I'm like, look, I'm not a licensed counselor. Like, I'm not a therapist. I just spend a lot of time with words. And if I can help you feel heard mm. through these words, then, you know, I feel like that that could make a difference. So that's something that I, I feel like it, it comes out a lot in my writing and I hear a lot of messages. I, I hear a lot of people responding about that. They're like, I felt like this was for me. I felt mm. like this was, and I was like, I think we're just, we just have to hear each other. <laughs> we have to learn how to hear each other. And I think in doing that, we can also hear ourselves um, because there are some times when someone responds and they say, wow, like, I feel like, I feel like you're really speaking to me about this, this, and that. And it's very specific. And I'll go back and read it. And I'm like, wow, that's not even what I was writing about at all. But I can see how it's specific for me too. I can yeah. see how I was writing from an experience and I didn't even realize I was writing from my own personal experience. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the beauty of putting your art in the world is like it you're doing the work, but then you release it and it becomes someone else's. It, it takes yes. on a life of its own. It really does. And it's like it's like paper airplanes and it's just floating and you have no idea where it will land and who it will fit for. But like they receive it through their, you know, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And it's its own thing. It's mm-hmm. no longer ours. Mm-hmm. We release it and then someone else takes that art and can apply it to their journey. And that's just the beautiful thing of putting art in the world. And that's the disservice when we think we have to hold it and it's just for us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to like, I have to remind myself of that when I think back on my life. I'm like, who are the artists that spoke to me and made me feel heard? Mm. And I was like, oftentimes they were people who also, who I didn't have similarities with in a lot of ways, but because they chose to, to put it out there, what those things were on their heart and what those things were that they were thinking about, whether it was about their own personal experience or someone else, like it helped, helped me feel heard in my experience, even if it wasn't the same experience. Like I always love to use the example of um, John Foreman. He's like John Foreman of Switchfoot is probably like one of my favorite songwriters. He was 
I discovered him at a very young age, and it just kind of like, just with time, I just followed his work. I just think it's so funny because I'm like, when I look at John Foreman's life and my life, we don't have a lot in common. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't look alike. We don't have a lot of the same experiences. But yeah, I'm like, how can I feel so heard from somebody who's so different than me? And I just have to remind myself that when it comes to my work, I'm like, that's, I can be the same and we can all be that way just by choosing to write from, a, write from truth and write real experiences. Other people can, and I, I don't know who said this, but I feel like I've heard it in different places, but like, and I, I'm trying to remember the context, but it was something about talking about writing books or something like that. And the person was like, readers are a lot more like in tune than like writers can give them credit for sometimes. I think sometimes as artists and creatives, we feel like we have to kind of explain things to the audience. It's like, no, people are actually like, can be really intuitive. Like they can pick up on things. So that's something that I just, I try to think about, you know, as I'm writing and as I'm sharing, it's like, I may not feel like I have the perfect way to explain this emotion or explain what I'm going through, but other people feel that way too. And just by me communicating that I'm confused on this, I'm lost on this, there's mystery in this, I'm, I'm curious about this, but I don't have the answers. People are like, yeah, me too. And let's mm -hmm. just join in question together. <laughs> you know, we don't have it all figured out, and, but that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Hmm. I'm a big believer in that we deliver to the world what we long for the most. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot in my own work. You know, I work in the emotional wellness space and I help uh, through a number of processes and through a wonderful team, people raise their emotional intelligence, get in touch with their feelings. And it's the thing that I have struggled with the most. Not as much anymore, but it's still very much a struggle. It was part of my early narrative. And, and I used to try to resist that because I thought if people know that I struggle with the very thing in which I claim to be one of the experts in, then it will kill my credibility. Mm. And I've since learned, especially working a lot with, and I've, and I've learned from some of my friends that are pastors too, that the thing that they deliver is the thing that they need the most. Mm. Faith, God, spirituality. It's just they've never been permissioned to be someone in need of it versus someone who delivers it. Mm. And therefore, there's always this big crash in some some way. And I think I'm seeing a similar bit with people who are influencing online and that they get flooded. And I've got a lot of friends that, that do that, that put their art out there and then they just have such an impact that the people who feel unheard, the 15, 16, 17-year-olds that are sitting in front of their computer, uh, they write you, whereas they're never going to reach out through traditional mental health. Mm -hmm. But you're, you're, you're reaching them and others aren't. And that is both a beautiful gift and also can be a burden because there's no way you can answer all of them. And there's no way you can, as you said, jump on a plane or they can jump on a plane and get the right resource. And I wish every 15-year-old or let's just say every teenager in the world could sit across from you and saw what we saw when you described what that email in your inbox did. Mm -hmm. Because there was these tears that, that, that welled up through just this genuine empathy of, I wish I could just see you be you hug you I don't, you know yeah. that was such a beautiful moment mm -hmm. what do you think those tears were connected to hmm. if they had words what would they say i think 
they would say, what you're feeling for these other people, these are the real emotions that you weren't sure were there. These are the real emotions that you've tried so hard to put into words. Maybe there just aren't words for them. And those real emotions, they come forth through connection. And they come forth through, you feel connected to that girl. Mm -hmm. There are some, like, I, I don't know how many messages I've received at this point, but there's some, there's some names and stories. I think about them at least once a day. Mm. There's one particular girl, and I, I keep the stories anonymous, so I don't, I don't tell what the stories are. There's one girl, I literally think about her every single day. And I've checked on her a few times. Like, I think about her every single day. I don't know what she looks like. Because some of the messages come through Instagram, some come through email. I don't know what she looks like. I, she came through email. I, I don't know. Um, I have an idea of where she lives, but I'm not sure. But what she shared with me and what I wrote for her, it comes at, at least once a day. And I believe that happens and even just, because like, I, I don't cry a lot. I'm not a very like super emotional person, you know, at least in terms of tears. But this connection and I, I feel connected. Mm. And um, that's huge for me because I spent so much of my life in finding how I wasn't connected, <laughs> mm. you know, like I'm not connected to that group. You know, I don't belong over there. You know, I don't fit in that category. I don't fit here. I don't fit there. Mm. So when that connection happens, it just hits me. It's like oxygen. It, yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. I'm like, this is what I was looking for. This is what mm. I was longing for. And, and all along it's been here, it's been with one on one on one with people, but mm. because of my fears of the group, because of my fears of the crowd, because of my fears of the things that have happened in my story, it makes it hard to see. Yeah. So when those emails get come through, when those stories come through, like you said, it lets me exhale. Like mm. this is a moment. Like this yeah. is connection. <laughs> you know, this is the thing that you thought was not for you. That was for other people who were, had better personalities or were more educated. This is for you too. Yeah, connection is for you too. What Miles said, it literally just connected a puzzle piece and felt so. I mean, it's just the truth. But it made me think. Oh, like when you hear people's story and you're listening and you're feeling such empathy, what you write for them are the things that you always long for someone to say to you mm, when yes. you were feeling that disconnect and feeling like you didn't matter and feeling so othered. And mm. a lot, I mean, you experience that those feelings were very real and that feels so connected. I mean, that's so real. Like we're, mm -hmm. We're longing, you long for someone to look at you in the eye and be like, you matter so much and mm -hmm. you are so important and you are so good and you're so valued and you're so needed here. Mm. Not in the background, but right here, mm -hmm. you know? And so that makes so much sense of why you're able to speak to them from such a beautiful, raw, wholehearted space. Mm -hmm. And again, like you're speaking to yourself. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. I think it's important for, 
all of our listeners because we get the opportunity to sit in front of influential people who have hundreds of thousands of people that watch what you do and say. And I think a lot of people put us on, you know, put people on a pedestal. And it's like once you get to that level, you don't have these same feelings and same emotions that that I have. And the truth is, is we do, which is why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just, and, and I'm okay. I finally come to a place of acceptance is that it's not just okay. It's healthy to understand the striving part that I'll never really arrive and that that's not the point uh, that I'm going to stri- And it's why I do it. And to hear somebody like you, you said, I've always felt other. I've always felt a little, that was a theme you were describing. And yet uh, your art and your influence is interrupting that. Mm-hmm. You're creating this yes. beautiful community. That's such a good word, interrupting that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, I feel like my brain is just going all the time and it's just creating the story of mm-hmm. like, you're not this, you're not that, da 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 da. But it's like when people are engaging with you and they're connecting with you and they're affirming things in you and they're bringing things up out of you, it literally interrupts yeah. that story. Yeah. It interrupts that mind chatter. Like, mm-hmm. just slow down and accept what they're saying and mm. see it as truth, see it as reality. And you don't have to make sense of it. <laughs> you don't have to try to, to manufacture some idea of what it means. You don't have to overinterpret it. You can just accept it and mm-hmm. say, thank you. You know, thank you for letting me know that. Yeah. And there's so many of you that uh, probably think that if my words and art and music or whatever it might be could get to that level, that could have that many people eyes on it following and I could get those affirming messages, then it would just change something. And it can't, it doesn't, it doesn't understand that, yeah. that yeah. It, it fills us up temporarily and everybody I know in our space chases it. And then there's a letdown and it can be really lonely on the other side. If we don't realize that our worth is not grounded in what we do, it's grounded in who we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100%. And you know, who we are, that's, that's the most important part, you know, it's like, who, who are you? And it's like, who, one thing I I often like to think about, um, just to give a visual is I often like to imagine I'm like, I'm trying to get the math right. Like I'm like 20 years behind, like I'm this age, but 20 years ago, I'm like, what would I be doing then? I was like, oh, I'd probably would have like a newspaper or newsletter (laughs) or a zine or something. Um, and I, and I like to think about that because I think sometimes like the present reality, the way the world is right now, it can really make you feel like if I say something like it's not going to matter, it's not going to get heard. Like it's not going to have impact. But I think sometimes when we can think back, like imagine us, imagine ourselves in another time, imagine ourselves doing something that in maybe a simpler form of some sort, like just sitting at your typewriter instead of typing on your phone, just something like that, you know, because if, if you, if you're doing like a little town newspaper, you're not expecting that town newspaper to reach a million people. If you're writing on your typewriter, you're not going to feel pressured in that moment. Like, okay, I need to get 5,000 words done before today because <laughs> your fingers aren't going to allow you punching on those keys and just scaling it back to like, mm-hmm. what would this look like if I didn't have technology? You know, what, what would this look like if I didn't have all these other things going on in the world? Who would I be? Who would I be? I'm thankful that I have my mom because my mom is, she's very similar to me in a lot of ways. She's very creative too. And 
she did a lot of creative things and I was like, man, if my mom had Instagram, she would have been so cool. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, look at all she did with mm. like so much less res- like so many less resources than what I have. Um, look at all the lives that were changed because of yes. even my dad. I'm like every, I grew up in a house that had to the ceiling. My dad would book, build bookshelves to the ceiling of books. Mm. Every book on that shelf came from the thrift store on Mondays when it was half price day. Every book that we had was an old book that somebody else had, that somebody else had probably had. Everything my parents had, it was like a small little thing, but yet they were able to impact so many people and they were able to impact me. So when I think about that, like who am I to let, you know, follower counts or views like dictate dictate the impact that I have. I'm like, that wasn't even an option for my parents. And look at all that they did. And and it's like the further you go back, the more real that gets, you know, like I, I recently, I say recently, meaning like a year and a half ago, but it still feels really recent. Um, My sister and I were actually on a reality show. Um, It's called Relative Race, and you (laughs) race around the country to meet your long-lost relatives. No way. And ordinarily, I would be terrified to be on any kind of TV show. But because I love genealogy, I was like, I really want to do this show. Like, we don't know much about our family, so they they hire, like, researchers to dig in, and you can learn all this stuff about. So I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm like, I'm scared of being on this show, but I'm going to do it. So um, on the show, we actually had, um, I mean, it's in the episode and everything, we had an opportunity to get the name and the burial place and a photograph of our great-great-grandfather who had been born a slave and died free. And it's like you hear these stories in history books, you read them. But when you can see it, when I saw it in my own story, the first thing that came to my mind was, who am I to complain? Like, he would be so proud of how far we have come. He would be so proud that we're sitting here in this beautiful park at sunset, talking about everything that he had been through and and how we're here today. And that was just for just being totally honest. That's the first thing that came to my mind. And many things have come to my mind since then. But it was just like, wow, when you really think about how far you come, the mountains and valleys that brought you here, and not just you, but your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. parents, When you really think about those stories, it's like, wow, I have something to be grateful for. I do have something to say. Mm. And even if one person hears it, and that person is me, that matters. Yes. Come on. Most yes. important. The most <laughs> yeah. important person. And it's and when I, I just remember looking at that photo, I'm like, this is who I am. Like, this is the story that I come from. Mm. Like, wow, my identity isn't social media influencer. My identity isn't, you know, poet. My identity isn't, you know, just this one part of the season that I'm in right now. It's rooted in rich history mm-hmm. and that's I could go on and on about that, but it was just when you said that, you know, who who we are, like it just sparked that in my mind, and I just started thinking about that. Wow, that is I cannot even imagine. That is so 
profound. And we were talking about this with John Baptiste a few weeks ago when we recorded him. But I love the Maya Angelou. She talked about every time she goes on the stage, she brings the 10,000 with her, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and her mm-hmm. grandmother and her great grandmother and her grand. And I think about that and the work that you're doing and you're honoring this lineage. And I mean, great grandfather, great, great grandfather is just not that far back. Yeah. And I mean, I can only imagine how proud they are of this beautiful soul that is doing such good and such adding such beauty to this world. It's almost like every act of that beauty and that seeing other people and speaking truth to them is just one more way to add beauty when there was that was such ugliness. And you're bringing redemption. Like your story is redemption and you're bringing truth. It doesn't remove or take away all that happened that is so ugly and so I don't even have words for it. Like it's so ugly, but what you're doing, every act. And that's the other thing that I love what Mel said and what you said. It's like, who the hell cares about an Instagram following? Like you can have impact in your home, yes, on your street, mm-hmm. at your office. Like that is the most profound thing that you can do. Absolutely. When you're checking out of the grocery store and showing that person, just smiling at them and looking at them and knowing that they hold value mm-hmm. and they are worthy and they are good. That, that's the impact. That's the yeah. only thing that matters. Every interaction, like it matters so much. And it doesn't matter if you don't have social media or you don't have a platform, like your platform is your home and your mm-hmm. space and your neighbors and your family and your friends. Like that's the most important thing. And the most, most important thing is knowing that for yourself yeah, and speaking that over yourself because it's the truth. And like when we know that and experience that, we're actually able, it changes everything. Like yeah. I think there's this false sense we, I mean, I learned a lot of it. Like um, for me personally, I was like in the church that like, you're this depraved, broken wretched sinner and you know you need help to be somewhat of a decent soul you know and now I'm like oh my gosh I'm so good we all are like our hearts are filled with so much goodness and when we live out of that place it's not there's like a false sense of humility and sometimes we're like oh no I'm terrible I'm a growth you know yeah. and now I'm like that doesn't work for me anymore mm. that doesn't fit wow. anymore because it's not the truth mm-hmm. like I am filled with so much light and so much, and divinity lives in me. So how could I speak about myself that way anymore? And when I live out of that knowing, I'm actually able to really truly see people and be a reflection of that, you know? And it's just, I don't know. That's amazing. I, when you were talking just then, I was reminded three days ago, I wrote a letter to my 14 year old self. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of like, you know, that's like a thing, you know, writing to your younger self. Like it's, and I've always kind of shied away from it because I, I'm still trying to figure out what 14-year-old Morgan was about. Like I, I still, um, that year in particular, I went through really severe depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no friends that year mm-hmm. and it just hit me heavy. 
And I was like, I don't want to write to her. I was like, but maybe that's the reason why I should. Maybe there's something to 14-year-old Morgan that 29-year-old Morgan is still going through. And I've got to start looking at that. Mm. So I sat down and I wrote that letter. And I started, I started the letter almost kind of condescending a little bit to 14-year-old Morgan. Like, you're in a hard place right now, but it's going to get better. But, you know, it's almost not saying it's not that big of a deal. That I didn't say those exact words, but that was kind of the tone that I had for mm-hmm. myself. And I was like, whoa, I do that to myself now. And as I started writing, I just started saying to myself, it's okay that you're feeling this. Please don't feel bad for feeling this. Mm. It is really hard to be 14 yes. and not have friends. Yes. It is really hard. I, I, had start, I randomly started taking tap dancing that year, and I was terrible at it. And I wrote, <laughs> I was like, it's okay that you're terrible at tap dancing. It's all right. You're mm. going to find other interests. It's going to take a few years, but it's going to be okay. And as I was writing that, I was like, wow, like I could be a lot kinder to myself, even my 14-year-old self. And, you know, just hearing you say that, you're just talking about like, no, I am good. Like, how often do we say that to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's so easy to, to see our flaws and to point out our flaws and just forget about the fact that maybe we were just hurting. Maybe we were just in a really tough spot. Maybe things that happened that were out of our control were just really weighing down on us. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely okay that we're feeling that way. Yeah. So that's just something that just even as of three days ago (laughs) that I'm still working through too, because it's like, there's sometimes where I look back on things. I'm like, I, maybe I should have gotten over that faster. or Maybe I should have dealt with that differently. Or it's like, well, maybe that just happened that way because that was the way that it happened. And you came out of it and you're okay. And you're not wrong for having dealt with those things. Mm. What's the... The gift. You do such a good job at honoring your, your family and your mm-hmm. lineage. I love the way you've talked about your mom and dad. If we had time, I'd love to ask lots of questions about the two of them. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> they sound like, what's it, what are their names? James and Mona. James mm-hmm. and Mona. Yeah, they met in Los Angeles driving down the street. My dad was hitting on my mom. That a boy. So, yeah. It's always funny because like, my dad's like a pastor and like people always expect like, Oh, they met in the church. It's like, no. <laughs> my, my dad was just like, I like her. <laughs> what a stunner. I want her number. Yeah. But yeah, they're I they're love. great. <laughs> I like good people. Yeah. What's the what do you feel like the gift that they gave you that you'll most likely give as a parent yourself? Hmm. Wow, this is so surreal. Like there's we're talking about things that like I've been thinking about like the past mm. few days. Wow. <laughs> like like this is meant to happen. This is amazing. I, <laughs> wow. The first word that would come to me is grace. Mm-hmm. I talked about this with my parents a little bit, but it's something I even want to get better about communicating with them is that I, I'm still trying to understand the grace that my parents have for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, just watching the kind of lives they've lived. I remember even as an adult, just feeling like, like, are you guys letting that person get away with that? Like, are you going to forgive them again? Like, you know how they are. And just getting really frustrated with that. But 
struggling to see how that grace fuels what I do. Mm-hmm. And even though I struggle sometimes understanding the the ugly, the hard part of grace, where it's, you know, the whole like, oh, grace is extended to people you don't like also, um, or people who you're enemies with. That's really hard for me. And even though I struggle with that, that same grace that my parents have had for family members, for neighbors, for politicians, it feels what I do. Mm. When I was, I think, six years old, yeah, it was the year then, 1996 Olympics, my dad was asked to preach at the Easter sunrise service in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And that's where I grew up in Stone Mountain. And Stone Mountain is an interesting town. It's where the, after the Ku Klux Klan, it kind of like faded out and they decided that they wanted to kind of come back mm-hmm. at the turn of the century. They came back in Stone Mountain. That was the headquarters. Um, and that's where I grew up. And the town is just filled with so much history and just really painful history. Mm-hmm. And they asked my dad to preach and he was the first black pastor to ever preach after this was years and years of tradition he was the first one and just hearing my dad speak that day and talking back to my parents about that day and that time in general there were so many people who were that we were interacting with as that I was interacting with as a little girl older people who were former clans members who were at (laughs) these events people who like (laughs) Just really intense things that were still like so present in that moment. But when I remember how my parents responded to these people, when I remember how my parents literally would invite anybody over to the house, they once invited a family over for dinner. They were a Caucasian family, and the little girl was upstairs playing we were playing with I was playing with her and I asked her if she wanted to spend the night and she said just very casually oh I'm not allowed to spend a night over your house because you're black and I was just like okay and to just think about how my parents opened up their dining room Mm. to people who their kid was upstairs just saying things she had no idea what she said she didn't know she, she exactly she wow. had absolutely no idea how offensive that was we were probably eight years old wow. and to think about the people that my parents invited over for mm. dinner to think about the kinds of people that they brought into their space mm. my mom knew the name of every person that walked up and down the street whether they were picking up trash or whether they were homeless it didn't matter. My parents have so much grace. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm in a season of my life of just celebrating what that means to me and celebrating like how that has been such a positive in my life, even though I still, I still struggle sometimes. Like, <laughs> like I feel like at least once a week when I'm talking to my mom on the phone, like she's like, oh, well, this is going on. I'm like, mom, like, why? <laughs> I'm like, why do you care? Like, why does it matter? And it's like, because that's grace. So, mm. yeah. Wow. I love them so much. <laughs> and it also explains so much to me about you. Mm. 
That makes so much sense to me. You are such a beautiful part of that legacy of grace and the way you treat people and interact with people. You are the epitome of that. And I think about your little boy that's coming. <laughs> yes. Oh, that precious little boy. Like, I'm so excited for him that he got to choose you to be the one <laughs> to bring him into this world and follow that legacy of goodness and love and grace. Yeah. Like, I am in awe. Like, your parents, that is so beautiful. There's one other thing that I wanted. And again, I like say things, and I'm like, and if this doesn't fit, don't take it on. But yeah. I just kept being struck. So when I lived in my bed, one of my best friends since I was 17, Katie, has been a mirror to me. And I remember she would lay in my bed, and she would just, I would say these stories about myself that I believed to be true. Mm. And she would just constantly come back and reflect the truth. And she's like, when you say this, I want you to write that out and then combat it with here's the truth. And just this last year, I started what we were saying earlier about the mirror thing. I would make myself look at myself in the mirror. And at first I could only focus on like one part of one eye because it felt so uncomfortable. And I would make myself stare in the mirror and I'd say those things that she gave to me that were the truth. And I would say them and I did not believe them. I did not believe them, but I would make myself say them and I would just bawl. I would just cry. And I realized in that time how powerful our words are, even the ones that play in our head. And when I would start hearing these old stories, these old things, I would start saying the truth. Mm. And I would I made it a practice. And I would look in the mirror in the morning and I would start saying the truth. And Morgan, it's been the most beautiful. Like our words are, it's like on a cellular level, our cells hear them and believe what we mm. say. Yeah. And now my body and my mind and my soul, after so long of not believing it, but making myself say it, start believe the truth and like now those other things that I used to say I'm like I realized I hated the way that I talked about myself I thought my body hated me because of my pain I thought it's the source of all my pain and you know I hated that girl that lives in her bed I had so much shame about her and now like I want to share that but now those things like it just doesn't fit anymore mm. and I'm like I want to honor this body and this spirit and, and I want to speak. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this beautiful, literally I love being nude all the time now and <laughs> in, in my own house. But I'm like, I used to hate this, but I'm like, oh, I love you so much. You have like, you're encasing my soul and my spirit and divinity lives. And so I want to honor it and I want to speak truth and I want to eat a certain way to just honor my body and I want to speak a certain way and I want to exercise and all of that is new like this is not this has just been in the last like what we were talking about earlier like working through this book and having to face a lot of this old stuff that just didn't serve me and it started with like looking in the mirror and speaking that truth that Katie would share with me that I didn't believe I believe these old stories, you yeah, know? Yeah. So anyway, take this on if you want. Don't if it doesn't fit. But I just wanted to say a few things that I see. Like, you are love. You are love. You are so worthy. You are so beautiful. You're so beautiful. 
You are so good. Your heart is so good. You're so important. And you're so needed. And God loves you so much. And he's so proud of you. And who you are is just, you are a light. And I just have fallen so deeply in love with you. Like your spirit is so beautiful. Thank you. I, I receive that. I really do. Mm. I really do. I even just feel like just sitting here with you all, like I'm able to receive it better. even (laughs) Just some of the things that we've talked about because it's, it's hard to receive it, you know, because of the whole alternate story things. But it's like when you were just talking just then, one thing that came to my mind was like, this is like learning a new language. This is like learning a new language. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard um, Elizabeth Gilbert say something the other day about, I don't even know what I was listening to. (laughs) I just remembered it. it was her that said it about how she learned Italian. And she was like, I, when I learned Italian, I had no bad memories in Italian. And I just thought that was so fascinating. I was like, wow. I was like, you, she took on this new language. She was like, none of the old ways of thinking, none of the past things, like I have this new language, Mm -hmm. I mean, exists in this new language that I'm learning. And that was something I was thinking about when you were talking. I was like, wow. Like even when you're just talking about your own story and just those truths that you said Katie had that was sharing with you, it's like yeah. this is a new language yes. you're having to learn, and and we can't just buy a language book and just flip through it and learn the language. Yeah. Like we have to immerse ourselves yes. in the culture. We have to like, we have to watch movies in that language. We have yes. to get friends who speak that language, and yes. we have to go to restaurants where that language is spoken if we mm. really want to learn that language. Mm-hmm. And that just really, like that just, I mean, for the first time that just came to me, just after I'm like, like the reason why it's so hard for me to receive it, I'm like, cause I'm having to learn a new language here. Mm. Like this is not the language that I, that I speak in my head. It's the language that I'm learning to put on paper to mm-hmm. share with others, but it is not the language that I used to speak to myself. So if it seems foreign or strange, that's why <laughs> you're learning a new language. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's an honor. I know you're working on some amazing stuff, some of which you can, can't talk about. But, um, Soon. <laughs> anything you want to share that you're working on that you're excited yeah. about? Right now, I just launched this past December or January, I just launched a daily app that oh, cool. where I share messages every single day. And it's just like a, it's a subscription model. I am going places in that app that I've never gone before. Just in terms of like really digging into like this, this week, the series is on, it's called Endless Boundless Peace. And I'm just writing about like why it's so hard to have peace, like just in the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And even just like, in your immediate family or group of friends, like what, like what peace means in all these different scenarios. So I've just been reading a lot and just digging in a lot. So that's kind of like the biggest thing that I'm working on now. 
Um, How do people right find now, it? It's um, well, it's in the App Store. It's it's only for iPhone, so I'm so sorry to all the Android users. <laughs> someday, someday. But if you're on the iPhone, the app is called Storyteller. So wow. it's just encouraging you to tell your story, so you can find it in the App Store, and then. Yeah. I'm doing that all while growing a little human growing inside of me. Human, oh <laughs> so, my god! Yep, he's uh, kicking around and flipping around all day and taking a lot of my energy, but it's all good. So, <laughs> can't wait to meet him. Yes. <laughs> well, this has been such a delight. I do want to close. We you could, we'll give you the final word here, but I just want to echo a lot of what Ruthie's already shared. Just like just an amazing human. Mm-hmm. So to sit with you has been a true blessing. Well, thank you. I. The feeling is mutual. Thank you all so much. Thank you. If your son-to-be, and he'll be here soon, uh, we're here, uh, knowing what you know now, what you've shared a lot of with us today, kind of what you've come through, um, what would be a message you'd have for him or will have for him? Mm. And just speak it to him as if he were here. Wow. I would say... You're coming into a world that has a lot going on. There will be a lot of things that you don't understand and can't make sense of. But one day you will look back and you will see that all along you were still growing into being the person that you were meant to be. Through the highs and lows, you had other people around you, you were loved, Mm. you were being guided, and you were not alone. And there will be some times in your life where it will feel that way. But that is not definitive of who you are. Mm. You're still on a journey of being led right where you need to be. You just mothered all of us. Yes, mama. <laughs> yes, ma'am. We'll take that. Yes. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Such a privilege. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Make up, love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me. Thank y'all so much for being with us today. We know your time is valuable, so it truly means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. And thank you for being willing and open to walk right into the tension of saying the unsaid. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and this song is called Alcatraz from their EP, Hallucinate. I cannot speak highly enough about these musicians and friends. Check out their beautiful music on Spotify and online. And a huge thank you to Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio who edit and mix the show. If you want to learn more about the Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and more information about the guest. And feel free to follow us on Instagram as well at the Unspoken Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe to keep getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to you. And for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, please consider supporting the show by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to share with you all of the upcoming conversations with some really special people. And we hope these fill you with the hope that we might all find connection, healing, courage, and the strength to leave no important words unspoken.